all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. It's really heating up here down in the South, and summertime is in full swing. The 4th of July is this weekend, and so I know a lot of people are going to be out spending time with family um, and out in this heat and doing fireworks. And so today we're going to be talking about how to stay safe this weekend for celebrating the 4th of July as well as this whole summer. Um, We can also talk about some of the illnesses that we're seeing this summer. And as always, we'll be taking your questions. So we would love to hear from you. So please give us a call and share your comments and questions this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can also send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org. So I figured today would be a good time to, uh, I know a few weeks ago we talked about some summertime safety, more to do with traveling and what we like to travel with uh, to help keep our family safe during the summertime. And so today I thought we could focus more on like how to beat the heat and how to recognize if someone is suffering from heat stress or heat exhaustion, because we definitely want to prevent any type of heat strokes and Drowning is the other thing that's always one of my big concerns and that I always try to talk to my parents about at the checkups uh, with our younger children, especially the toddlers, because it is just one of my biggest fears um, is because we unfortunately see it too often in the summertime. And even if it's not a true drowning, there's also so many near misses. And so just trying to prevent those, we want to make sure. And then talking about fireworks, too. Um, I love to watch fireworks. I'm not one to shoot fireworks. I just like to watch them. I prefer to go to a show. However, I know a lot of places have canceled their fireworks show uh, due to the coronavirus pandemic right now, so we can't have large gatherings. And for that, a lot of people are going to be going and getting their own fireworks to shoot this weekend. So talking about firework safety, because uh, I've read some stuff up in the fireworks and found some interesting facts that I want to share with you all about it. So, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And then, of course, you know, if you have any questions, any medical questions, you are more than welcome to give us a call and ask those and we will discuss those. Uh, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 So the heat. Uh, I was looking today and it said it was 84 degrees, but it feels like 93 right now here in the Jackson area. 
and it is hot outside. Uh, I have had to change my workouts to indoors because it is just way too hot to be out there unless some mornings I'm able to get up early and go. But if, you know, if, if you are having to go later on during the day, it is still just extremely hot outside. And so I want to talk about how to watch out for some of those problems that we see like heat stress and heat exhaustion uh, that can happen to your body and how to recognize those and how to prevent those if we can. So our body normally sweats. That's how it regulates the body temperature is through sweat and that is through evaporation. And that's how we cool our body off. Uh, the problem we see here down in the South and in Mississippi is the humidity. You know, it is so humid outside. Uh, and for that purpose, that interferes with the sweating process. And so that is why it is so easy to get overheated down here in the South. It is very hot outside, but it is also very humid. And so that prevents us from our bodies doing a good job of sweating like it normally would. So that is something to think about. Uh, when the humidity is high, you're not going to be sweating as much. And as our kids are out playing, baseball has started back up. And I know we're not really sure what's going to happen with football in the fall, but practices could be starting back up for that soon as well. And so these are some things to be thinking about as your kids are going and kids and grandkids are going to be starting to play these sports or as you as parents and grandparents are going to be going and sitting outside at these baseball tournaments um, or soccer tournaments, whatever it may be that's bringing you out in the heat. Just some things to think about. So the biggest way to prevent it, um, dehydration from the heat is going to be trying to stay ahead of that. So you want to make sure that you're trying to drink water throughout the day to stay ahead of it uh, because it's hard to catch up. You know, if you've ever been there before and you've been outside and you feel dehydrated and you want to start drinking more, it's really hard to catch back up for that. So the best way to prevent that is to drink and stay hydrated ahead of time. So it's very important to make sure that this summer we're drinking lots of water, I know we love tea down here in the South, but tea is actually not a really good drink to hydrate yourself with. Neither are sodas. Um, we really need water. And you can drink some of those electrolyte drinks such as Gatorade, Powerade, whatever it may be. Um, that's okay too, but you know you don't need a ton of electrolytes unless you're going to be sweating a lot. Water is really all you need. So trying to stay ahead of it and drink water. There are some conditions that we have, you know, that people may have that could also make them more prone to having stress from the heat. So we talked about humidity. It's definitely one of the things that interferes with sweating and can make your body be overheated. But our really young, especially our babies, they don't really sweat. So it's hard. They don't, they're not very efficient at sweating, I guess we could say. And so that makes them more at risk for overheating. Um, our elderly patients, are going to be more at risk. If you have uh, heart problems, if you have problems with your circulation, those all are going to make you at risk for that. And the other thing to think about is if you're on medicines, a lot of our blood pressure medications are diuretic medicines. And so the way a diuretic medicine works is you 
you know, if you've taken one, you know, you pee more. And so for that, when you're urinating more, you have more at risk for dehydration. So if you are taking one of those medicines, you know, it's important to talk to your doctor about it. Uh, if you're on blood pressure medications and see what types of medicines you're on, because if you are in a diuretic, you're going to be more prone to getting dehydrated. Uh, seizure medicines, there's lots of seizure medicines out there that can interfere with your sodium and can also make you more prone to dehydration. And the other medicines we think about, too, are some Parkinson's medicines. Um, they can also interfere with sweating. So definitely talk to your doctor if you're on any of those medications and make sure that you're not on one of those ones that could put you at a higher risk for dehydration. Um, the other thing that I'm sure uh, a lot of people participate in uh, during the 4th of July weekend and just throughout the summer weekends, too, is alcohol. So if you're going to be outside at some event and drinking alcohol, that also puts you at a higher risk for dehydration. So you want to be mindful of that. So if you know you have any of these risk factors, make sure you're staying hydrated before you go out in the sun so that you don't develop get dehydrated. Some signs to look for that you may see, that you may notice that you are starting to develop like heat exhaustion, uh, that usually happens when you have a temperature of around 100, 102 degrees. And it's usually a short time, but you're going to start feeling dizzy. Um, you may also notice that you have some cramps. You can get some cramps in your legs. You can even get cramps in your stomach. Uh, you may notice that you're a little pale. Somebody may tell you that you've lost your coloring, um, nauseated, and sometimes you can even faint when it gets to that point. And if that's the case, you really need to make sure that you are getting to a cool environment and that you start drinking to get uh, so that you can prevent the dehydration and rehydrate yourself. If you faint, you know, you may need to consider, especially if you're older and you do take medications, you probably need to go see a provider and get evaluated because you may even need some IV fluids. Um, you know, like I said, it's hard to catch up if you are if you get to a certain point in dehydration. And so it may be a good idea to go get evaluated if you get to that point. But definitely start to recognize, you know, if you start feeling nauseated, dizzy, um, start having paleness, uh, those are definitely signs that you could be getting having heat exhaustion. And what we're trying to prevent is what we call heat stroke. And that's when the body temperature gets to be around 104 degrees. And that has more significant symptoms. And sometimes at that point, up to 50% of people like quit sweating at that point. And so that's one thing you're trying to recognize and trying to prevent from happening. Because heat stroke can eventually lead to confusion, altered mental status, and sometimes even a coma. And this can be very life-threatening, and so we don't want that to happen. So trying to recognize those early symptoms, trying to stay on top of it by hydrating early, these are things that we want you to do to, so that you can stay healthy and try to prevent any problems with the heat. Um, the other thing, we'll take a quick break, and we'll continue our talks about summertime safety and heat safety. Um, if you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. kids and teens on MPB Think Radio. We're talking about staying safe in the heat as well as this 4th of July weekend. If you have any comments or questions, please give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. If you have any tips on how you stay safe and how you try to beat the heat, we would love to hear those. So please call and share them with us. As we were talking before the break, you know, the biggest thing is trying to stay hydrated. So we want to prevent from getting dehydrated in the heat and prevent heat exhaustion and definitely want to prevent heat stroke. So staying hydrated is going to be the most important thing. So the other thing I want to remind people of is if your kid is going to be playing a sport this summer, you know, you need to go in and talk to your child's coach about what is going to be the plan for taking breaks, Uh, because that's something that's very important. You want to make sure that the coaches and parents are all in line and have a plan on how the kids are going to be able to take breaks and um, take that, whether that be physical rest or actually hydration breaks. And so they say that kids need to be able to take a break at least every 20 minutes to be able to go and drink um, water or whatever sports drink, whatever it may be that they're taking. So you want to make sure that you're talking to their coaches and all the parents about making sure that they're taking a break every 20 minutes. The other thing is, you know, tournaments are a big deal this time of year, baseball, soccer, all the different sports that are playing this summer. And you need to make sure that there is at least a two hour break in between games. So if it is a tournament going on, uh, the recommendation is they need at least a two-hour break. So that's something to think about if your kid is getting involved in summer sports. You want to make sure that everybody is on the same page, that you have a plan in place for their breaks during the games and practices as well as during tournaments. Um, So that's just something important to think about. We will go to our caller, Norman, who's in Yazoo City. Hey, what's going on today? I'm I, I nothing much. Just working at the office. How are you doing, from Cloud? Good. What's your question today? Uh, my friends and I have a uh, fireworks show planned this weekend, and uh, in the past we had someone uh, had a firework explode in their hand, and all we could think to do was to grab a cold beer and to cool that that burn down. Is, is there any better way to do it than that? Um, well, I definitely think getting it into something cool is, is important, whether that whatever you can find. Um, and if that's all you have available, that's definitely something um, ice on it, putting it in a cooler. That's something important as well. And, you know, you need to I mean, some of the fireworks burns can be pretty significant and can get up to like even third degree burns. And so if that's the case, you know, you may need to even consider going to one of the urgent care clinics or to uh ER to get it evaluated to make sure it doesn't have any needs to be debrided or anything like that uh, because that can lead to infection. But definitely getting it into something cool is what you want to do as soon as you get the burn. And obviously, if you're still holding the firework, making sure you take that away as well. 
Okay, okay. well, that's that's good stuff. Uh, now, if I eat something that's too hot and, and it's burning my throat, the only thing that helps seems to be some cold milk. Does it work the same way? Yeah, pretty similar. Um, the, the tissues in your mouth are very thin, and so they are easily irritated, and so that's why it's so easy to get a burn in your mouth, um, like the roof of your mouth or your tongue. Um, so, But, yeah, putting something cold in that, ice, cold milk, whatever it may be, that's definitely helpful. Well, I appreciate your help. We'll keep that in mind this weekend. Well, thank you so much for your call, and stay safe if you all do another fireworks show this weekend. We will. Thank you for sharing that. If you have any comments or questions, we would love to hear from you. Please give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So we talked about heat and how to stay, make sure you're staying hydrated. The other thing we think about with heat in the summertime is heat in the cars and um children, pets, we never want to leave them in the car uh, during the summertime in the heat. A child's body can heat up three to five times faster than an adult does. And the temperature in a car can heat up more than 20 degrees in as little as 10 minutes. So, you know, I said earlier, it's about 84, 85 degrees right now, getting up to around 90 today. And so if you think about if you close the doors, it, even if it is for a brief time, it can get as hot as 110 degrees in as little as 10 minutes staying in the car. So this is not safe to leave your children in the car, pets in the car, um, you know, making sure that we're really mindful of that. And I feel like a lot of people probably are mindful of that when they go into stores. But the other thing to think about and is going to be like when you get home, you want to make sure that when you get home, you lock the car doors because kids love to play in the car. I mean, I remember that was one of my favorite things was to get in the driver's seat and pretend like I was driving and playing in the car. Um, and so kids are going to try to sneak in the cars. And the other thing, you know, they may play like hide and seek or something uh, in the cars. And so you want to make sure that you have those car doors locked. You also want to make sure that you are putting the keys somewhere where they can't get them so that they can get in the car, because that is such an easy way, too, for them to get locked in the car. So I know everyone tries to be intentional about making sure, you know, you don't leave your kids in the car when you run into the store. But it's it's little things throughout the day, too, that you can do to make sure that you prevent those. Um, some other tips that I have for trying to make sure that you don't leave a kid in the car. I always try to remind people to put something in the back seat of the car so that when you get out of the car, you know, your child will be in the back, especially if it's a smaller child that can't talk and can't voice. You want to make sure that you have something in the back seat of the car that you're going to need for the rest of your day. Uh, so whether that's your cell phone or your purse or your briefcase, whatever it may be, um, I actually talked to uh, Liz Gill and Allison a couple of weeks ago. We talked on their show about this as well. And one of the things Liz mentioned, which I had never thought of this, I thought it was a great thing, is she said, take one of your shoes off and put your shoe in the car because you can't go into work or into the store or wherever it may be um, if you don't have both of your shoes on. Uh, so that was a good tip. I liked that one too. But put something in the back seat of the car so that when you get out of the car, you're going to have to go back there and look. And that's just going to remind you, especially if you have a small child in the back of the car, to make sure. 
that you don't forget. Um, so hopefully those are some good tips. A, a lot of people forget and don't even think about locking their cars when they get home because you just get so used to your routine and going. Uh, but really try to be mindful of that because that is unfortunately a common place that that can happen. We're talking today about summertime safety and we've been talking about heat safety if you have any top, um, tips that you use to keep cool in the summer we would love to hear from you give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING that's 1-877-672-7464 we will go next to our caller Larry who is in Hazelhurst yes hey Larry uh, dehydration uh, I didn't realize how important I'm 83 and my family and friends Two of them have died in the last uh, two years from dehydration. One uh, fainted and fell out. She was a very big health nut like I am. Got dehydrated and killed her kidneys. They tried for a month in the hospital and uh, tried to save them. We're going to send her home to uh, be on uh, dialysis, and she didn't want to do that. So she did. Yes, ma'am. All right, have a good day. She just didn't wake up the next that night. Uh, another friend fell out and laid in the parking lot between her car and truck at a doctor's in front of a doctor's office for an hour and a half. Never woke up. Three days in the hospital, in and out. Remembers her pastor slightly. Within ten months, her kidney, her, her organs had shut out. We buried her. So dehydration is scary. Yes, I'm sorry that happened to your friends, Larry, but hopefully, you know, that could be a wake up call to everybody that it can happen. And it unfortunately does happen a lot. Um, and so I hate that happened, but I'm glad you're bringing awareness to the subject. One of them had uh, overloaded on protein, uh, ate almost nothing but oriental food. And they said, well, mm -hmm. it was healthy, except you overdid it. And uh, mm -hmm. that, that helped kill the kidneys. I didn't know all of that. That's what yeah, and the other thing people will do too is take like salt tablets. We see that a lot, especially with athletes um, right. trying to replace those electrolytes. And you really don't need to do that either, you know, unless you're being supervised by your doctor. If your doctor recommends you be in salt tabs or extra protein, things like that. But otherwise, you really don't need to. I usually tell people just to alternate to drink like water and then alternate next and drink a Gatorade, Powerade, whatever it may be, electrolyte replacement drink, and then water, electrolyte replacement. Try to alternate and keep them balanced because, you know, too much of one thing can be bad, just like too much protein, too much salt can be bad too. So, um, thank you, man. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Larry. We appreciate it. And that, that's one of the things that happens with dehydration is uh, your kidneys do get damaged because kidneys need to be perfused. And so if you're dehydrated, you don't have enough blood volume, which means you're not going to be able to perfuse your kidneys. And when that happens, the kidneys do shut down and they take a big hit. Um, a lot of times kidneys recover. But, you know, I've seen a lot of times when kidneys take this hit uh, from dehydration and they they don't recover, unfortunately, and sometimes people do end up on dialysis. And that usually happens when you have some underlying medical problems or you're older. Uh, but that is one of the first things we see usually is the kidneys take a hit. Um, but most of the time they do respond to fluids and rehydration. Uh, we'll go next to Byron. He's on the road. Hey, Byron. Hello. How are you? Good. What's going on today? 
Well, I heard your comment about making sure that you lock the car doors when you exit the vehicle to make sure kids don't get back in it. And I was reading a story about a week or two ago about a gentleman that was just released from jail. He was in jail because they found his child in the car and they were going to prosecute him. But they were able to find a ring video showing the child into the car after they exited the car. So he would have been prosecuted if it wasn't for a ring video. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately, that happens all the time. And I mean, I remember doing it as a child, going and climbing in the car. And it's a great place when trying to hide when you're playing hide and seek. So that's, I'm glad they had that video. I hate that it happened to the child, but I'm glad they had that video. Yes, I thought that that was, would have been a disaster as a parent to both lose your child and then to be falsely prosecuted. Exactly. Yes. And the other thing to think about, too, is, you know, if a child climbs into the car, most people have their car set for child lock if you have a child so that they can't open the door inappropriately. Um, so if they were to get in the car, climb into it in the garage, they may not be able to get out because the door is closed. The door is locked through the child lock. Another very good point, Doctor. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Byron. We appreciate it. No, no problem. I um, caught you guys when I was driving through Mississippi, and I'm really going to hate when I, um, your station fades out because I really enjoyed your programming today. Oh, well, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate that. Where are you headed to? I'm um, from Atlanta to Texas to go visit my dad for his birthday. Oh, well, that's awesome. Well, I hope you have a great time visiting with your family, and thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. So if you have any comments or questions about staying healthy this summer or any health questions in general, we would love to hear from you. So please give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll take a quick break and then we'll be back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens at MPB Think Radio. We've been talking today about staying safe this summer, particularly staying safe in the heat right now. And if you have any comments or questions, we would love to hear from you. So please give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. 
And Byron, if you're still listening, uh, Jay, our producer, pointed out, and I totally forgot, so I want to make sure everybody knows that you can actually listen to the Mississippi Public Broadcasting, any of the shows, on the app. So there is a free Mississippi Public Broadcasting public media app, and it is free in the iTunes and in Google Play stores. So if you download that app, you can take MPB anywhere you want to go, Um, and you can always listen back to the shows and the podcast. Uh, You can also listen live and listen back on the podcast. So um, thanks, Jay, for pointing that out to us. And Byron, hopefully you can keep uh, listening to all the different shows on MPB, and we appreciate you listening. We will go next to Melvin, who is in Hattiesburg. Hey, Melvin, what's going on today? Yes, I just had a question on, uh, like, being hot uh, and taking prescription medication on the dehydration part and drinking alcohol with uh, taking prescription medication. Does that that increase the uh, risk of getting dehydrated? It definitely can. It depends on which medications you're taking. Um, Lots of blood pressure medications include are either a diuretic or have a diuretic in combination with one of the medicines and that those medications in particular can definitely lead to increased risk for dehydration. Um, some seizure medications, some Parkinson's and antipsychotic medications, those can do that as well. Um, so you have to be careful with those medicines. But I would say in general, since blood pressure medicines are one of the more common medicines we see, uh, definitely want to talk to your doctor to make sure you're not on one of those medicines that can make you more prone to it. Okay, so the blood pressure medication could make you dehydrated alone by itself without adding alcohol and all that to it. Yes, sir, exactly. Yes, adding the alcohol alcohol in general can make you more prone. So if you're taking a medicine plus alcohol, it'll definitely increase your risk for dehydration. Okay. Yeah. You know, the alcohol can... when you drink alcohol, you tend to go to the bathroom more frequently. And so it kind of is like that with the same effect as the diuretic, making you more prone to dehydration. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully that answered your question. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a good point, and thank you for bringing that back up. We really appreciate it. And we will go next to Dylan, who is in Florence. What's going on, Dylan? Uh not much. Uh, just, I had a question about working in the sun. I work in the sun all day, and um, some days I'll get like really bad muscle cramps. Is that from dehydration or? Yes, it it most likely is. That's definitely one of the signs that you could be developing some dehydration. Um, muscle cramps, particularly in your legs, but you can also, I mean, you really can get them anywhere in your arms, in your hands, even in your stomach. Yeah, you, um, yeah, you but yeah, that's definitely a sign of dehydration. Okay. All right. Uh, so make, I can take? Yeah. So the biggest thing is trying to stay hydrated before you get to work um, because I know it's going to be harder to take your breaks at work. Um, but So trying to make sure you're staying hydrated before work. The other thing is making sure you are, you know, water is definitely more important, but you may also want to do some electrolyte drinks as well. Um, so Gatorade, Powerade, or any type of electric, uh, 
electrolyte, excuse me, drink, um, because a lot of that can definitely be affecting the cramps too, the electrolyte imbalance. So trying to alternate between water and a Gatorade, I think would be pretty helpful for you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And stay safe out there and thank you for your hard work. <laughs> yes, ma'am. All right. Thanks. All right, so we're talking today about summertime safety and staying hydrated. So like Dylan said, that was one point that I, I forgot to bring up. We talked a lot about kids being out there um, and playing sports, but there's a lot of people that work outside as well or maybe work in um, a warehouse that doesn't have good air conditioning, which is needed this time of year. So if you're in a place where you're in a warm, hot environment, you want to make sure that you're staying hydrated. Um, and like I said, you know, trying to stay hydrated before you go into work is going to be one of the, the biggest things, but trying to take breaks when you're at work. And if you do get cramps and if you do start feeling dizzy, you know, you want to make sure that you're drinking lots and lots of water and replacing some of those electrolytes that you're losing when you're sweating. So... If you have any comments or questions, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So another important thing in the summertime, and especially the 4th of July weekend, a lot of people are going to be out swimming at swimming pools or going to be at lakes, maybe at the beach. Um, and so we want to think about water safety as well. And so I just briefly want to talk about that just to remind everybody about water safety and drowning, because unfortunately, every summer we see far too many drownings that happen. In fact, um, you know, there's about 4000 fatalities from drowning each year, a thousand of which are related to kids. Um, after birth defects, drowning is going to be the number one cause of death kids aged one to four. So that's pretty crazy to think about. That's unfortunately way too many drownings that we're having for something that can be preventable. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, we see two big peaks for drowning. So the first is going to be our kids under five, especially toddlers. So like two, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, um, but those ages where they're still just so curious and they want to see what's going on. And so they'll sneak outside um, where there may be a pool. And that's where, unfortunately, where you find them. The other peak we see are going to be males in particular, ages 15 to 25. And that's kind of for another reason, you know, uh, 15 to 25, you think you're invincible. We've all been there. And so, you know, that we see a lot of these aren't going to be in swimming pools necessarily. We see these more in lakes and beaches, and that's more from poor decision making usually. Um, and a lot of times, unfortunately, involves alcohol. And so these are the biggest uh, peaks we're going to see the drowning. So 15 to 25, as well as under five years old. And so what can we do about those to make sure that we can prevent that? And so the biggest thing is going to be supervision. So for our younger kids, it's going to be staying by them as they're in the water. Never want to leave a child when they're going to be in the water. You want to make sure that there's always adult. The AAP recommends trying to stay within an arm's distance. So you always want to be able to have an arm out where you could grab them if you needed to. So that's one of the first things they recommend. The other thing is like when the toddlers, you know, like we talked about where they just will sneak out of the house uh, because it is very common for them to be so curious and try to sneak out and see what's going on out there. So you want to make sure that you have something to prevent 
prevent your kid from being able to get outside. So you want to make sure that you have like a safety gate or you could put a doorknob covers, make sure you lock the door or have some sort of lock that is out of reach where the child can't reach that to unlock it and then open the door. And then the other big thing that they recommend is putting a fence around the pool. So they have some the rule of fours when it comes to the fence. They say uh, you need to have a fence on all four sides of the pool. The pool, the fence needs to be at least four feet high and the slats in between the post of the fence don't need to be any more than four inches wide. So if you can remember the rule of fours, so um, needs to be all four sides, at least four feet high and the slats no more than four inches wide. You also want to make sure that there's a gate on that fence as well, that it's self-closing and self-latching uh, so that the kids will have a harder time if they're trying to get in there. Uh, so those are just some tips for our teenagers. You want to make sure you know that's that other peak that we were talking about. So you want to, if you can, have an adult there. But teenagers like their independence, and so you may not always be around. Um, and especially in our younger 20-year-olds as well, uh, you want to make sure that you are talking to them about safety. And trying to, you know, alcohol, unfortunately, is involved in a lot of these instances. So talking to your your um, teenagers or your young adults, college age kids, grandkids about the importance of making sure limit alcohol, because when alcohol is involved, bad decisions are usually go along with that. Talking about different safety issues, trying to designate somebody that is the one that has refrained from alcohol and can be there monitoring everybody in case something does unfortunately bad happen. So those are just some tips. The other things um, to mention, too, would be, you know, if you are going to the beach this weekend, talk to your kids about the riptide, because that's another thing that you don't think about and what to do if you do get uh, taken into, into the current. So you want to make sure that you are swimming parallel to the shore until you can get out of the current. And so that's something to think about to talk to your, especially older children that may go out into the water, you know, 10, 12 years old while you're sitting on the beach and they go out into the water. Make sure that they know what to do if they feel that current. It's a scary feeling if you've ever had that happen to you. Um, and so you want to make sure that they know what to do in that situation uh, because it can happen. I mean, drownings can happen even in the shallow water where you can stand if you get taken up by that current. So remember to swim parallel to the shore if you get in that current so that you can eventually get out of that and get back to the water. I mean, get back to the shoreline. And then boats, that's the other thing uh, to think about for the open water. Kids always need to have a life jacket on when they're in the boat. Always. No matter if you're just sitting in the water and the boat's not moving, even if it's a pontoon boat and the boat doesn't go very fast, any type of boat that is on the water, the kid needs to make sure that they have a life jacket on. And you want to make sure the life jacket fits them properly, too, uh, because sometimes, you know, those life jackets, if they're even a little bit big, can slide up. And then that kind of defeats the whole purpose of the life jacket if it's not fitting the child properly. So just make sure that if you are going out on a boat this weekend and you've got kids or grandkids with you, Make sure that there is enough life jackets for every child on the boat to have a life jacket. 
We're going to take our last break, but we've got a little bit of time left. So if you have any questions or comments about some of the things that you've heard today or any tips that you have, please give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. And we'll be back after our break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We've been talking today about summertime safety, beating the heat, and water safety. We've had some wonderful calls. If you have, we've got a little bit of time left. So if you have any comments or questions, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So we've talked a lot about heat safety, water safety, a few other things in particular that I wanted to discuss for the 4th of July that's going to be happening this weekend um, is fireworks safety too. Um, So I was reading some interesting facts about fireworks, um, but one of the comments that somebody had in the article I was reading that I thought was pretty good, it said, you know, on any other day of the year, would you let your child play with matches or candles or fire in general? And the answer is probably going to be no. You know, you're not going to give your young child matches to go play with or candles to play with. And so fireworks is essentially the same thing. So we need to be very careful about fireworks. Um, There are tons of injuries that happen each year. Uh, During my residency, I had to work, I think, the 4th of July two or three times on the 4th of July in the pediatric ER. And uh, we had all the time fireworks injuries coming in. So it is... It unfortunately happens every year, so let's try to prevent as many from happening this year. So most of the time that we're going to see firework injuries, it's going to be on like the extremities. So it's going to be like the hands, the fingers, the legs, but about one third of the injuries do happen to your head and to your eyes. So we definitely, you know, we don't want an injury to happen anywhere, but in particular, don't want it getting near your eyes uh, because that can cause some permanent damage. So you want to make sure that we're really careful with that. Fireworks cause about 10,000 injuries a year, uh, not necessarily all related to the 4th of July, but just in general in 2019, there were documented at least 10,000 injuries related to fireworks and 12 deaths. Um, and a lot of times, you know, people will think, well, you know, it could be related to the malfunctioning of the fireworks, but really that does that's, there's not a lot of documentation. Most of, of malfunctioning of the fireworks, most of the time, if there's going to be an injury related to a firework, it's 
user error. Um, and a lot of the injuries too, it said up to 26% of the injuries from fireworks are related to bystanders. So if you are just shooting fireworks with your friends, and even if you're not the one that's actually lighting the firework, up to 26% of people that are standing around watching it can be injured as well. So that's just something important to think about. You know, if you've got young children, you want to make sure that they are watching from a safe distance away. Uh, if there is an adult that is going to be handling the fireworks, you want to make sure that your child is far enough away so that that cannot happen. Um, children 10 to 14 are going to be the ones that have the highest risk for injury. They account for at least a third of the victims related to fireworks injuries. So, you know, it can happen to anybody, but these are just the ages we tend to see it more. There's also, which I thought was interesting too, um, 19,000 fires are started by fireworks annually. So we definitely think about, you know, human injuries, but there's also dangers related to fireworks, especially if you live in the country um, and you have woods surrounding you. 19,500 fires are started every year by fireworks. Um, and so that's definitely something we want to think about too as well. So definitely don't want to injure ourselves, but we also want to be conscious of the environment. Uh, you know, we think or at least I have always thought sparklers are going to be the most innocent of fireworks. You know, if I'm not a big fireworks fan, but I, I do love sparklers. Um, and, you know, I've seen even young children as young as three and four years old holding sparklers. You know, we think of sparklers, or at least in my head, I think of sparklers as being very benign. But they're about a fourth of the injuries that we see from fireworks are related to sparklers. Um, and it said sparklers get as hot and burn at around 1,200 degrees. So that's crazy to think about. You know, the, uh, they put some different levels for heat on there, you know, water bowls at 212 degrees, uh, wood burns at 575 degrees, glass will melt at 900 degrees, and a sparkler gets even hotter than all of those things at 1200 degrees. So something to think about um, that I honestly hadn't thought a lot about because, again, in my head, I just think sparklers are one of the most benign of all of the fireworks that you could have but they are just as dangerous. Um, and so you want to make sure that you're very careful uh, with fireworks this weekend, even sparklers. You know, if this, if you're holding a sparkler, it can uh, you catch your clothes on fire. Um, the other injury they said they see a lot of with sparklers is going to be eye injuries. And I guess it's because it has the stick and people are waving the stick around. Um, but corneal abrasions happen a lot. So with the fire, if the sparkler does hit your eye, you can definitely do a lot of damage. And it can cause even up to a third degree burn like we talked about earlier. So you want to make sure that if that does happen, check it out. Um, if you're if you do get a burn from the firework, get it into a cool environment like we talked about. And if it is a significant burn, you may want to consider going to like an urgent care or to an ER, because one thing that happens with the burns is sometimes they can get uh, kind of necrotic and you have to debride that area and and keep it clean because you want to make sure that it doesn't get infected. Burns, unfortunately, get easily infected. So if it is a pretty significant burn, don't hesitate to go get it checked out. Um, if you're going to be the one lighting the fireworks, I would make sure that you have some kind of eye protection on um, because, again, the extremities and the eyes are the most common places that we see people getting injured with fireworks. 
But I hope everyone has a safe 4th of July. And if you do shoot fireworks, just keep a lot of those in mind. Um, and if you've got kids around, make sure that they're at a safe distance so that we can try to prevent as many injuries as we can. Last tips that I wanted to say is, um, you know, sunscreen. Everybody needs to make sure you have your sunscreen on in the summertime, at least an SPF of 30. And you want to make sure it's broad spectrum and blocks both UVA and UVB light, uh, UVB. UVB rays, excuse me. Um, and everybody needs to put sunscreen on. You cannot put sunscreen on. It's not recommended under six months of age, but uh, starting at six months, everybody needs to be wearing their sunscreen. And you really need to reapply every two hours. So if you are going to be swimming and sweating, you want to make sure that you have that sunscreen on hand so that you can keep reapplying it. And then bug spray. A lot of people have questions about bug spray, but bug spray you can use all the way down to two month old. Um, I don't recommend spraying it on a two or four month old baby, but I always tell parents to put it, spray it in your hands and then you can wipe it down in the child so that it will give them protection. And you want to make sure the insect repellent has DEET in it. That is going to be the most effective for keeping bugs off. Um, and it's somewhere between 10 to 30% DEET. And everybody needs to put the bug spray in because, unfortunately, uh, mosquitoes are everywhere. Ticks are also out, so they protect against all the biting insects. So you want to make sure that you remember your sunscreen and bug spray this weekend. And lastly, you know, the pandemic is still going on. Um, unfortunately, coronavirus cases are on the rise. So just be mindful of the recommendations from the health department um, with your gatherings. You know, we don't recommend gatherings outside of more than 100 people if you can keep safe social distancing. Inside, no more than 50 people if you can't keep safe social distancing. Um, so just remember that um, as you're celebrating this weekend. And I hope everyone has a wonderful Fourth of July weekend and stay safe and thank you everyone for your calls today we appreciate that this is in southern remedy kids and teens it's a production of mississippi public broadcasting and think radio and is funded in part by a grant from the university of mississippi medical center and generous support from listeners like you today's show was engineered by jay white i'm dr morgan mcleod join us next thursday at 11 for southern remedy kids and teens and stay tuned for npr's here and now coming up next on mpb think radio